grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. My children, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he corrects you. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And this is the very word of our God as it is found in Hebrews chapter 12. Well, you know, most of us love discipline when uh, someone else besides ourselves is on the receiving end of it. Maybe you remember when you were a kid and your brother or your sister was being disciplined and you kind of sat over in the corner and said, thank God this is not happening to me. You know, there's times where I wish there was some more discipline in the world. For example, last week I was going home from church on Celine Milan Road, heading south. There were three cars, three of us in a row, when one guy came up from behind us and passed all three of us on a double yellow line going up a hill. And sure enough, there was a car just over the crest of the hill coming in the other direction. I thought to myself, what are you thinking? You know, do you realize that you not only endangered your own life, but the rest of us? What were you thinking? Do you think that they just put those yellow lines down there on the road as a suggestion to follow? Sometimes I think that people ignore the law to the point that they think it's for everybody else, but not for them. Now, of course, I'd also have to confess that I too have broken the law. I too have gone over the speed limit. I know there's a state policeman here today. Uh, I know that at times I've tried to justify my actions in my mind by saying, well, that's what everybody else is doing. And besides, does it really make any difference as long as nobody gets hurt? Again, if the police were there and stopped this guy who passed three of us on the double yellow line, I wonder what he would say. I wonder what kind of excuse he would make to the police. And if we could ask the policemen who belong to our congregation the most unique excuse that they've ever heard, I'm sure it would be entertaining. Well, I'm also sure that, uh, you know, sinfulness is at the bottom of it. That's the way sin operates. Sin always is thinking about no one else but myself. That's why sometimes we say that sin is always spelled the same way. It always has this big I in the middle of it. And every time I sin, I'm really saying to God, God, you know what? From my perspective, I know how to live my life. I know how to live it better than what you have to say, so I'm going to do things my way. If you read through the Bible, the Bible is filled with people from page to page, from beginning to end, who from their perspective believe that God's word, that God's laws are for everybody else except for them. In fact, you read about it in the first few chapters of the Bible, don't you, with Adam and Eve. God made it very clear and very simple that they were not to eat from the fruit of the tree that was in the midst of the garden. But then again, the devil showed up, and before it was all over with, you know, the devil didn't make them sin, the devil tempted them, Eve came up to believe that God's word didn't apply to her. It didn't apply to Adam. And so what did they do? They ate from it. And with that simple act of disobedience, they brought death and destruction 
upon the whole world. Perhaps they believed it didn't make any difference. Perhaps they believed that God's law was for somebody else. But the thought occurs to me, who else? They were the only ones. God also said to the Israelites, when they came into the promised land, that they were not to have anything to do with pagans. Because the pagans were practicing a child sacrifice. They were worshiping false gods. He said, don't even intermarry with them. But maybe you remember Lot and his wife and his daughters. They thought they were spiritually mature. They believed they could handle it. Besides that, they reasoned that they were related to the great guy named Abraham. And so what did Lot's wife do? She disobeyed God. She turned around and she looked back and she was turned into a chunk of salt. And then, of course, there's King David. King David is the king. He's the leader of the country. You would think that if anyone knew better, if anyone should set the example, it should be the king. But apparently he thought that the law did not apply to him and that he could have sexual relationships with this woman outside of marriage. Isn't that been the problem throughout the history of the world? Many times people in leadership and power believe that the law doesn't apply to them, that they're above the law, that they can do whatever they want to. You know, every day on TV and in the movies, lifestyles that are perverted and contrary to the Word of God, are pushed down our throats and are seen as acceptable. At the same time, biblical truths are trashed. The great and courageous people of our day, according to the world, are the Kardashians and the Jenners of the world, and people like Tim Tebow, who stand on the Word of God, both with his words as well as his actions, he is perceived as the worst of the worst because of his stand on biblical sexuality. You know, we've been led to believe that the only perspective that counts is whose? Our own. And that God's perspective is worthless. So I want you to picture this scene for yourself right now. Picture a young boy or a young girl. Let's say they're six or seven or eight years old, and they go shopping with their mother. And thus say they're sitting in the cart. And what are they doing the whole time? They're politicking their mom for this toy or this thing or this piece of candy. And what does mom say? If they're like my mom, uh, they would say, we can't afford it, and besides that, you don't need it. And yet, do they stop? No. They keep politicking and politicking to get this and at that, hoping that mom will finally cave in. Well, this little boy, let's say, he sees another boy over there on the other aisle pick up this toy and stuff it in his pocket behind his mother's back, and he walks out of the store without paying for it. So what does the little boy in this case do? He reasons, well... Everybody else is doing it. What's wrong with it? So he puts the toy in his pocket. They walk out of the store. They get into the car. They're driving down the road. When mom looks in the rearview mirror, and what does she see? She sees her son playing with this toy, and she knows full well where he got it. Of course, he's making excuses 
But this mom is not going to be fooled. In fact, immediately she is livid. And she makes a U-turn. I wonder if she makes a legal U-turn. She makes a U-turn and immediately she heads back to the store. And she makes her son take the toy back in and apologize to the cashier. And not only that, she disciplines him. When he gets home, he's grounded. He's not permitted to play with his other toys for a month. So as you think about this scenario, scenario, I want you to look at it today from the boy's perspective, from the mother's perspective, from our perspective, and finally from God's perspective. Let's look at it first of all from the boy's perspective. Probably he thinks to himself, there's nothing wrong with it. After all, everybody else is doing it. Besides, the need to be happy is more important than following any kind of rules. Perhaps he believes that he can get out of this predicament by lying his way out of it, but his mother is not buying it. Finally, from his perspective, I suppose he's mad because he got caught and now he has to suffer the consequences. Now look at this particular scene from the mother's perspective. You know, this mother is like my mother. She's terribly disappointed in me. And she's probably saying to me something to the effect, in fact, I can still hear these words ringing in my ear, what were you thinking? And before I had a chance to answer, she would tell me, the problem is you weren't thinking. You know, what were you thinking? You know better. And deep down, she disciplines me because she loves me. And she doesn't want me to grow up to be a spoiled brat and a thief. She disciplines me. She doesn't buy into my whining and crying and complaining and excuses. And she probably also says something to this effect. I think all of these mothers must get together and they come up with the same responses. She would say, well, if that kid over there jumped off the cliff, would you jump off the cliff too? You see, her focus is not on the other kid. Her focus is on me because she loves me. Now look at this whole scenario from our perspective. You know, when we suffer, when we undergo discipline, our first thought is our mom doesn't care about us, our dad doesn't care about us, or maybe God doesn't love us. So here's a question we ought to ask ourselves. How should we, how should we react toward discipline? Actually, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 gives us the answer. Here the writer to the Hebrews says what? Don't make light of discipline. When our parents or when God disciplines us, indifference or anger toward it is not a suitable response. To make light of God's discipline or to try to shift the blame to somebody else is really a huge mistake. In fact, the Bible reminds us in 1 John, if we say we have no sin, we do what? We deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves and the truth is not in us. And we make God out to be a liar. You know, here the writer to the Hebrews is quoting from the book of Proverbs. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And he does this to show the close connection 
between God's Word and sonship and discipline. Discipline is training necessary to lead a child to maturity. But again, when we undergo discipline, we don't like it. The thought is, God doesn't love us. He's putting us through this suffering just for the fun of it. But God always sends or uses discipline for our well-being. And, and we're also not to lose heart because of it, because God never forsakes His own. So look at this whole scenario from God's perspective. Even though we are disobedient sinners, more disobedient than any of us could ever imagine, we also know that God loves us. He loves us more than we could ever comprehend. And everything He does, He does it to guide us and direct us by His great love. That's why Paul can write in Romans chapter 8 that in all things, God works good for the benefit of us. You know, whether the difficult things or the good life, He can take all of these things and He can ultimately use them for our good. We know Christian discipline in the Greek literally means this. It means to prepare or get ready for learning. Again, school's going to start pretty soon. And kids go back to school. And sometimes kids bring with them things to school that they shouldn't bring. Things that distract them. And so when the teacher sees things on the desk that are distracting, she tells them, put it away. And if they don't put it away, she's got that desk drawer there with the chomping teeth and all the other things in it that you've seen on the Christmas story. What is she doing? She's disciplined because she wants to create a climate for learning. Christian discipline is a way of helping a person control him or herself. It is really a readiness to learn. That's what discipline is. A readiness to learn. Now, again, school's starting in a couple of weeks. Sometimes teachers are blamed when a kid doesn't learn. But being a former teacher, I also know that the road runs both ways. How many of us go to school? How many of us come to worship with a readiness to learn? A spirit of readiness. Open ears and an open mind and an open heart. Again, God's discipline is a sign of His love. It is a sign of His grace. And we know He loves us because all we have to do is look at the cross and look at the empty tomb. God's discipline is a way of guiding us lest we fall, lest we lose the blessing of eternity. So what's the right reaction to God's discipline? It ought to be one of confidence. Confidence that God loves us. You know, my dad, he disciplined me because he loved me. The lack of discipline may sound good to us at the time, but really it shows a serious problem. I think we have a serious problem in our nation today with the lack of discipline. What father or mother loves his or her children and does not discipline for them for the good? Again, the lack of discipline reveals a lack of sonship. 
And it leads to tragic results as we see in our world today. You know, our earthly fathers and mothers, they disciplined us for a time as they saw best. Earthly parents sometimes make mistakes. But when God disciplines us, there are no mistakes. His discipline is for your profit. God's discipline is to strengthen us. So remember that if you are disciplined by God, that's a good thing. Because that means that you are connected to Him. You are connected to the vine, Jesus Himself. And think about God's incredible love. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He took upon Himself the punishment that we deserve so that we might receive His righteousness. So here's the bottom line. From God's perspective, because of Jesus, you are sons and you are daughters of the King. And really, that's the only perspective that matters in the final analysis. The only perspective that matters is His perspective. In His name we ask it. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before You today and we can remember times in our life uh, where we were disciplined by someone else and we didn't like it one bit. And yet now as we look back on our life, we are thankful for those who had the nerve to tell us at times, no. In fact, uh, we can probably remember being in school and we remember teachers that uh, didn't just let us do whatever we wanted to, but teachers that disciplined us and teachers that stood for something. Help us, Lord, to stand for something. Help us, Lord, to stand on Your Word. Help us to know that You love us with an everlasting love and help our nation and help our leaders to be disciplined, to put their faith and their trust not in the things that are here today and gone tomorrow, but to put our trust in You. Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Your name. And all of God's people said, Amen.